It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair and a draw against one of our closest rivals at the weekend. Honours even, but did it feel a bit more like a defeat at the end? A goal disallowed to boot thanks to VAR. For me, Bernardo Silva and Jeremy Docco were the standout performers. And a week in which we said farewell to Terry Venables. And a special day tomorrow, of course, when City unveil another statue this time to the amazing Bell, Lee and Summerby. Something to look forward to. Uh, three guests to discuss that and much more. Welcome to David Blakeney. Hi, David. Hi, Nigel. And welcome to Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hi, Nigel. And finally, Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, Rob. Hi, Nigel. Uh, Rob, can we start with that Liverpool game? W- were you a bit disappointed at the end? I said it felt a bit more like a defeat, or were you happy with the point? Well, it shows the the how far we've come that we're disappointed uh, at drawing a game against Liverpool. Uh, I was disappointed. Uh, I thought we played well. Uh, I feel uh, the VAR decision was bonkers. Uh, there's no consistency in this business. Um, fans who pay money are entitled to have consistency. Uh, I felt. There was a nudge, nothing more. If you compare that to the Arsenal-Newcastle debacle, uh, you know, it's just silly. Uh, We we missed a lot of opportunities, and that's a perennial issue with City. But on the other hand, Liverpool also missed a lot of opportunities. It was a mediocre game played by two good teams, both of whom are going to uh, be in with a shout at the end of the season. And I thought there was enough in the game um, Bernardo, uh, Foden going through a purple patch, uh, Edison, Doku, to, to make you think, gosh, what are we going to be like when KDB and John Stones get back? Yeah, we may well come on to that as well. Uh, Edward, were you disappointed or were you happy with the point? Well, I think after the, the start that we made and the way we controlled the game, the, the expectation was that we would go on and win it. But it's a long time since we'd drawn one 
until the Chelsea um, madness that happened last time round. Uh, so it's disappointing, yes, to find ourselves against one of our top rivals at home, not taking the three points when Liverpool themselves weren't wholly at the races. They had a, a, a flapping keeper for a while who couldn't uh, kick to anyone other than someone in blue, but then <laughs> made up for it later on. Uh, and with a slight habit at the moment of now squandering uh, points from winning position. I think that's now four um, from the last two games. Uh, I don't think we've not got points uh, from three, uh, not one of three games in a row in the Premier League since April 2017. And so, so yes, we played well in parts, probably not as incisive as we could have been. We had twice as many shots as they did. Uh, Alisson did make a couple of good saves, 60% possession. So a lot of the stats were there. It's just the, the final product just didn't quite fall into our lap. And I completely agree with Rob that the, 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 the VAR decision, clearly, if that was on a big screen in the stadium, which they should be now doing, uh, that would have been laughed at and probably uh, caused a sort of a, a pal- the palpable uh, riot uh, if people had seen uh, what the, the the ref had seen at that stage. The problem was, of course, is the ref hadn't hadn't given it the goal, and therefore it obviously put it on the back foot when it came to the the, the VAR decision. But but overall, I think there were still some strong performers, which which we've heard uh, Silver Docker for Ake uh, again coming into the team did well and and. Uh, beautifully set up the goal for for Haaland. So still some positives, but just a little niggle, niggling feeling that we're starting to throw away what could be very valuable points in the last 10, 15 minutes of games at the moment. And that's something I think Pep will be concerned about and want to try and uh, stem the tide of. And is that what worries you as well, David? We should have put that game away. We had, as Edward rightly points out, we had the possession, we had more shots than them. We, we, we've seen this in the past where we haven't put teams away. Uh, we'll come on to the VAR goal in a second because I know Rob wants to talk about it. But apart from that, were you? Uh, what was your your view? Disappointed again that we couldn't put put that game to bed and 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 get the victory? Yeah, I, I mean, I was totally frustrated with it because the game was there for us to take, but I just don't think we've got that cutting edge at the moment, and that's the problem. And when you go back to last year, we had De Bruyne fit. We did have Gundo, I know he's gone, but those two types of players were the ones who would be winning those games for us. So when we now look at who are going to win the games for us, we, it, you can't just rely on Haaland because he'll only score if he gets those chances. And some of his chances at the moment are just him trying to make those chances for himself. They're not always that clear cut at the moment. So I just don't think we've got that cutting edge. And I think that's my worry. And at the back, we just seem to be turning off just too many times now. You know, obviously against Chelsea, Diaz given a penalty away at that moment in time. That's just not what we did before. So, and the mad thing is, we had such a great, until the Chelsea game, we had a fantastic, quite a good defensive record. But we are just leaking every game a goal which is costing. So... And when they had chances, they actually created more clearer chances sometimes than we did. So, yeah, a worry. So, Edward, just picking up on on the KDB issue, I had it had it down on my list of things to talk about because I think he was uh, at the Grand Prix saying he hopes to be back in the new year. So we've still got a few weeks without him. 
Is that the difference? And what do we what what do we miss when KDB isn't in the side? Because two or three of you have mentioned his absence as one of the reasons why we're not winning these sort of games. What what is it we miss when he's not around? Well, I think it's partly his his vision, him reading the game for anyone else, and then following up with that killer pass, whether whether it cuts through defensive line, over the top, over the top, cross ball, whatever it may be. And as great as it is. And I think all of us love Doku already. Uh, he had more dribbles apparently in that game than any Premier League player since September 2021. 11. Uh, <laughs> anyone know the, the the one who was before him? Not somebody who uh, really sprang to mind particularly, but it was a Dharma away for Wolves. So there you go. Uh, yeah. But but as much as we have that going on on the left and it's creating space and some some chances, we haven't got. I think has already been mentioned. Uh, that sort of KDB, maybe Gundogan, but particularly KDB uh, influence in the middle where they're a step ahead of the opposition. And it feels to me that although we're playing some nice football, uh, we're creating uh, some good triangles and people are moving around to create space for Haaland, it seems to be easier in some respects for uh, the, uh, in this case, the Liverpool defence to read that. Whereas with KDB, he can do something which, however well they prepare themselves for it and they know it's coming, they can't do anything about it. And I think that's that's the aspect of it that we're missing at the moment. And you remember all those goals that he set up for Haaland last season. Uh, they're the ones we're not seeing so much of. And uh, as David was saying, he's having to try and almost, almost create them himself in some ways, uh, which uh, are more half chances than than ones like KDB, KDB was setting up for. So we're definitely missing it. Uh, we're going to have to wait till January, it sounds like, at the earliest before he's back. But that's not to say that we haven't got players like uh, like Grealish, like Foden, uh, who could do more in that creativity space. And, of course, Alvarez, who's been outstanding in many respects, playing the number 10 role, uh, he's he's sort of nominally in in the KDB position, in, in, in if you look at the formation. But Bernardo Silva seems to be the one who's probably most capable of doing that. So maybe that's something we need to think about between now and when KDB gets back. Uh, Rob, how big a miss is he in your eyes, KDB? Well, he, I mean, he, he he's the best best midfield player in Europe, if not further than that. So obviously he's a big miss. One of the interesting things about City is that when he's been out with injury, they haven't particularly missed him in previous seasons. And we need to to remember that. I agree with Edward's analysis. And I, I would just add two things. It's the swiftness of the killer passes that is so important because City do look a bit ponderous in their transition. And... Uh, uh, De Bruyne gets rid of that. He also scores wonderful goals, and um, you know we we don't have that. So I'm happy to wait. The business end of the season won't start until February, and if we can hang in until then, uh, a refreshed KDB, um, uh, a fit John Stones is going to make a hell of a difference, and will become a team to be feared again. So I don't think there's a big problem. The only disappointing thing about Saturday was Alvarez, who who's played brilliantly all season, and I don't think he played particularly well on Saturday, which was disappointing. Um, but uh, on the whole, such a great player, you can't do other than miss him. 
Um, just briefly, David, um, on KDB, and then I want to talk about Haaland because of, of the record that he broke, of course, particularly. I know we tend to talk about him most weeks, but this is quite a phenomenal record by, by a country mile. Uh, but briefly on, on KDB from, from your perspective and what it is that we're missing from him and whether whether he is the difference. Uh, definitely the difference. It, I think it's his speed of transition, but it's his thought, his mind, the way he cuts those passes through. And also, he's played in the team long enough. He knows how to play in that team and what to do. I think it was very obvious on Saturday, on the left-hand side, as an example, you could see a lot of frustration where there isn't a great understanding with Doku on that left-hand side and the other. So where he played well, there's a few passes there where he's not making the runs. I don't think there's an understanding on that left-hand side between the players, and that's missing as well. And I think that was obvious. It was quite a bit of frustration you could see yesterday on Saturday coming through on that basis. And But obviously, you know, players who've been in the team for seven years know where, what to do. They know each other better. And that's what we're missing, isn't it? We've got a lot of new players. So so let's talk about Haaland then. Um, we, we know that he's the fastest player to 50 Premier League goals, 48 games, which is 17 fewer than Andrew Cole. When did he? When did when did it become Andrew Cole? By the way, it was always Andy Cole. Anyway, but he's definitely <laughs> Andrew Cole now. Um, so seventeen for that, that. And people argue, well, he's the penalty taker, and Cole wasn't. Uh, we talk about him a lot, but but let's give him his uh, his five minutes in the in the spotlight again this week on the, on the Man City show. David, you you kick off with uh, this amazing amazing goal scorer. It's amazing. What's even more amazing, he, he could have probably been at sixty at this point very easily. So. Um, and I actually feel he's not really properly got going this season. So I think there's a lot more in him. So, um, yeah, I think he'll keep going. Amazing record. Um, and then you wait for the, the next 50 now, aren't we? So, um, but yeah, brilliant. And what uh, Rob, I love what... about it, by the way, is he sure. just seems to love playing for us. He yeah. loves every time he scores a goal. He just... He's got. He's like a big kid in a sweet shot with a smile on his face of love and affection for everything around him, and I think that's wonderful. Uh, Rob, what, what what can we add to 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 the phenomenon that is Erling Haaland? I mean, most of it's been said already. I know. Yeah. Can you add anything? Yeah, he only cost fifty one million pounds, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's a lot less than Harry Kane. And uh, he's 10 years younger than Harry Kane, so let's remember that. Let's just celebrate and enjoy the fact that he's the greatest striker in the world, that he's not only ruthless, but he has, as David said, missed quite a few goals this season. Uh, And that's interesting, but it never puts him off. And the wonderful thing is he's a gentleman, as your father would say. You know, he knows how to behave and he loves the club and he has total respect for everybody in it. Uh, and opponents as well. I noticed that on Saturday, that he and Sabosalai were uh, against up against each other in the penalty area. And they weren't fighting, they were pushing, but they were smiling at each other. And I think that's the way to play football. Uh, so his goals are wonderful. His record is fantastic. Uh, this nonsense about penalty and Andy Cole. Uh, Francis Lee scored more penalties than anyone in one season. Penalties count just as much as non-penalties. They're goals. It's wonderful. Edward, what can you add? Well, I was pleased to read that they're already talking about 
getting a new contract in place for, for Haaland to make sure that uh, some of those who are sniffing around already can uh, uh, return return back to where they came from. Because as far as I'm concerned, he we need to hold on to him for as, as long as he's, even at his young age and his prime, and he will he will get better. That's that's the amazing thing. He yeah. will and has the potential to get better. You know, he's got to 50 goals three times quicker than Alan Shearer, who's sort of lauded as the, you know, the great god of the the strike the strikers. <laughs> In only 174 shots. I mean, it, I know we wish he, he his ruthlessness was even more acute, but I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And I completely agree about the point in relation to penalties. The fact is he scored 10 penalties for us, some of them really crucial penalties in, in difficult circumstances. So to have that in his repertoire, I think just enhances his reputation even more. And his uh, his demeanour on the pitch uh, in itself is, is something that I think floods through the team. He's always in the huddle. Uh, I can see him in time. I know that they don't like having strikers as captains, but he'll certainly be in the leadership team uh, come... Uh, come the, the future seasons because he's someone who uh, really is a standard bearer for the club at the moment. And uh, we uh, we will see many more goals from him, but I also want to see uh, many more players uh, come to the club because of him. Uh, he's going to be a real attraction for the, the club uh, as well as uh, the, the marketing side of it. We saw figures recently as, as to how much Harlan's making a difference. Uh, he is the best striker in the world. He's also probably one of the most marketable players in the world. He's even got my daughter interested in City for the first time. He's got Harlan T-shirt doing his on pose. So uh, he, he's electric um, on the field and off the field. Uh, can I congratulate you on breaking a record as well, Edward? Because you've got more facts and stats into uh, the first ten minutes of the podcast than we've ever had before. So I don't know if you read. I don't know if you swallowed a Rothman's football yearbook or something this morning because you are full uh, of facts and figures that just are just brilliant. So it's a pleasure to have you on, and thank you for furnishing us with all of those details. It's 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 a, a sight to behold. Thank you, Edward. Well, that's right. I had a very long, delayed train journey uh, today, so I had to find myself <laughs> something to do, uh, which turned out to be becoming a stato uh, in a couple of hours. So, um, pleasure to oblige. So, so talking of stats, sorry, then, can I just ask one thing on stats, then, Nigel? Does anyone ask? Know, Ed, don't ask me. Ask Edward. He'll, he'll well, Edward how no many idea. shirts? How many shirts have Ed Harlan sold? Do you think since he joined City, compared uh, what, with anyone else, or? even in the world? Oh, um, when I'm on next time, David, I will let you know. Thanks. I'd be interested on that one because I'll tell you what, what I have seen a trend is amazing. It doesn't matter what team you support. People buy Harland T-shirts for their kids and you can be anyone in the world and your kid wants a Harland shirt. It's not the team they support anymore. I've been all over Europe in the last couple of months and every capital city you go to, there are Harland shirts on sale. It's, yeah. it's wonderful to see. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of stats, how bothered are we that City missed out on the 24th successive home win? Is that something that, that bothers you, David, or it, it's, is it actually the FA Cup and, and the Premier League and the Champions League? That's really what it's all about. But would you not like to have beaten that from when it, yeah. whatever it was, 8 to the 1890s? Does that it bother wound you? me up nearly as much as losing two points <laughs> <laughs> because I was hoping we'd go through to the end of the year, winning every single game in a year, uh, in account that would have been amazing, but yeah, I was a bit gutted. I knew you were. Uh, uh, Rob, Rob couldn't care less. I know. I know what his answer is going to be, so I'm not even going to ask him. But I am going to ask him about the VAR 
Um, what a foul on Allison! Yeah, pushed a straightforward foul. Referee gave it. Get on, get on with it. It's a foul all day long. Agree? Is that Rob? Is that your is that your view, Nigel? I'm in the chair, Rob. I'm asking. Well, you I know you're in the chair, ref- but you're, well, the referee you're, gave it. Referee gave le- it. VAR I know, but didn't. You're, you're so defensive about refereeing decisions. We need to know what you think about that decision. It was disgraceful. It was absolutely disgraceful in comparison to how referees have interpreted the rule earlier in the season. And these guys are honourable people, but they need to get their act together because it's simply not good enough. And what Edward says is right. If this had been a rugby union game, we would have seen it, we would have heard the discussions, and people would have been even more affronted uh, by this. Yeah, but we haven't got that yet. We, but that's not sorted yet. We don't have that in any game. So you can't blame the on-field referee because we don't have that system up and running in football yet. That's not the referees on the pitch. It's not their fault. He saw um, it as a push. And, you know, a lot of people would agree that's a foul. It's Yeah, you could say it's a soft one, but he took the man without the ball and it's a foul. He ended up in the back of the net and the ball was nowhere near him. He didn't take the man without the ball at all. They both went for the ball and they collided in midair very gently. And if that's a penalty, if that's a foul in comparison to what happened between Arsenal and Newcastle, then my name's Charlie Drake. I mean, come on, Nigel, you've got to give some uh, uh, requirements of professional conduct of referees and not not back them every time, as seems to happen. All right, Charlie, keep your keep your air on. Um, let's <laughs> hear from Edward. Edward, then foul all day long. Edward, Charlie Drake disagrees with me. What's your view? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's just brought back a very bad memory that I had of seeing Charlie Drake play the lion in the Wizard of Oz at the Palace Theatre in Manchester in about 1982, <laughs> and it freaked me out. So uh, um, I've slightly lost my my thread. But the Chris Kavanagh was the referee, and one of the problems that we've we've got is. The, the way that they, you could argue, protects some of the, the way goalkeepers go about their business in the box and, and how, what I'd love to know is what, what instructions are they under when it comes to what happens in the penalty box? Because you get uh, outfield player against outfield player, the pushing and the shoving and the shirts and, and all the rest of it. But are they told something different in relation to goalkeepers? Because that can be the only explanation for giving that as a foul. Uh, and, and as Rob said, you know, they both went up for the ball. There was very, very minor contact with uh, a, a Kanji's sort of bit of his arm. And then Allison goes rolling into the back of his net, uh, clutching his ankle and like the world was coming to an end. Because they, I think they know that in those circumstances, if they demonstrate that they uh, have been you know, badly hurt off the back of a, a terrible foul they're likely to get it, despite the fact that the, actually there's very, very little in it. So, But once he'd given it in that way, I think it was highly unlikely he was going to get turned around because of this, uh, you know, it has to be clear and obvious. And uh, and uh, so we've ended up, unfortunately, uh, seeing Liverpool go down the other end and score, uh, as often happens in those situations. But we, we all just want consistency, don't we, Nigel? Whatever it is that is being, um, being used as the benchmark for the the way that they referee in the box in relation to goalkeepers let's actually have it consistently um used and operated because otherwise we're going to continue to get frustrated uh, when these decisions particularly when they go against us 
I'm mildly amused, David, by Stato Edward Timson's use of the, a, a bit of his arm. Well, I don't know which it was his arm. He led with his arm, uh, pushed him into the net, and it's a foul. You, you presumably, I've got two two against me at the moment. You, you, you. We've been we've known each other a long time, David. So you're going to go with me and agree with me that was a foul, I guess. Yeah. So we can get right, two, so, two 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 here. Okay. So there were two two situations. Yeah, we had two instances, right? It was a foul, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a yes I'm looking for. The You're second one when he yes. bundled him in the goal. Yeah, yeah, foul. I think that could have been a foul, yeah? Yeah, there you go, two all. But the first one was the most ridiculous ever decision I've seen all season. That was... Sorry, which one's that? I'm not when sure which Alison one you're talking dropped about. it out of his hands. When we scored? Yeah. The one Diaz put oh, as a person. Yeah. yeah. That one. Okay, so it's one. three one then. Should should we move on then? Yeah. Well, no. Oh. Let's uh, let's no. celebrate the victory. Three one. I've lost. But Nigel, the the point is, is when we say consistency, we want to understand what is a foul and what isn't a foul. Yeah. You can't. You, you can't. This. It, 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 you say consistency. You've got a totally different set of circumstances. No. No one foul is the same. No, no situation is the same. They all have to look at it in, on their merits, and and the the on field referee saw it as a foul, and and you know you can you can argue that you've seen those fouls given before. You with your sky blue spectacles on, of course, will think it's not a foul. You will want it to be a goal, of course you will, and and so did I on the day. But I can see it was a foul. Well, let's not let's not let's not fall out on this one, please. Let's let's <laughs> let's celebrate. Rob wants to celebrate, so David, you help us celebrate because tomorrow morning. Manchester City Football Club unveil a brand new statue. We've got three already, of course, but here's a brand new one coming up to the amazing trio of Bell, Lee and Summerby. Uh, and three of the people on the podcast saw those three play. Uh, one is far too young, so we'll maybe ask for a bit of a comment at the end from him. But but, but David, just, just reflect a little bit. I mean, we know that we've got Vincent Com- Company and Aguero and Silver at the moment. We have the Colin Bell stand, of course, but this is just a, a wonderful moment for me personally, and I, and I guess the two of us, having grown up on Belly and some maybe winning all those wonderful trophies in the, the late yeah. 60s and early 70s. Your reflections on those three. Sadly, Mike Summer be the only one still around, and, and it, all, all the indications are he's going to be there at the unveiling in the morning. Very exciting time. And, and what a fabulous thing the club are doing. How, how do you reflect on the Belly and Summerby statue? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, I mean, first of all, it's deserved. Um, second of all, I, I've actually met and had the pleasure, as you probably have, met all three of them. Um, Indeed, I have. Probably more, more with Summerbee than the other two, a bit more with Francis Lee. Um, I only met Colin Bell once. He was a very quiet, humble man, very quiet. Um, yep. But on the field, I think they were amazing. And, and and I suppose watching them in those days, even I was a bit young then, but watching them in those days was probably watching us these days in the way we play. And, um, you know, my favourite was always Colin Bell because I just think he was, as they called him the agency, the most majestic. I mean, Franny was an amazing goal scorer. Some would be what he did on the wing, great, but... I think Colin Bell, to me, I always think Colin Bell and Kevin De Bruyne are in the same mould, and I would always put them as two of the greatest players ever at City. And I think, you know, my definite favourite is Colin Bell. But um, I think it's a good thing. The club. One thing, by the way, on all that, is I think it's amazing how our club continue to have respect for the players of yesteryear. When they die and and pass away, the respect they give them and what they do with their families. And behind the scenes, from what I'm aware of and what I've seen, they always were made welcome at the club. And 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 Summerby is completely adored by the board. They love him because they love him for his history, the stories, and he's a connection between the board and the fans and history. And they love his stories, and he's just a storyteller. And I've seen firsthand somebody with the board and how amazing they are together and how they love him, just listen to him all day long because they want to learn what the history is, and he's the teacher. So they all deserve it. I have to say, Rob, that that when the sort of the first three went up, there was a bit of me. I know we I've said before we've got the Colin Bell stand quite rightly, but I was kind of a little bit disappointed that there wasn't kind of a Bell Lee Summerby statue. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so pleased and delighted that that's going to be rectified now. And and there couldn't be that uh, they are the obvious choice, aren't they? Of course, and it's fabulous. It's all happening tomorrow morning. It, it, you know, uh, Disraeli wrote a novel called Contarini Fleming when he was a young man. And later in his life, he described it as the secret history of my feelings. And that is exactly what this statue is. It's it's a memorial to my youth, to the time when City were not a very good team, uh, transformed by Mercer and Allison, coming out of the dark days when we were young boys. And Franny, Buzzer and Ding Dong gave us the ability to respect and to admire our team against the other side of Manchester in a way which we couldn't have envisaged five years before 1968. So it is fantastic. They're each of them people of great integrity. And uh, it's wonderful that it's a it's a triumvirate. It's not individual statues. And I, I can't I agree with everything that David has said. It's a very special moment. And we owe those guys a lot because they didn't do it when the club were millionaires. Uh, they did it, you know, Bell came from Berry, 
Lee came from uh, Bolton and Summerby came from Swindon. So, you know, this was not the football elite. They made their reputations by their own genius and that is wonderful. And I'm glad that Summerby will be there to see it. Thank you, Edward. I don't think you saw any of those three, did you? No, very sadly, I, I didn't. My my dad told me a lot about them when I first started going to watch City when I was about five or six years old. And I I, I was in the sort of the, the, the Tuart uh, power era. So uh, maybe not quite at the same heady heights, but uh, to, to even get as close to, uh, to, to, to what they achieved back, uh, back in the, the, the Mercer days uh, we would have been exceptional. And uh, I thought, unfortunately, the only Summerby I got, got to see uh, play for City on the wing was Nicky Summerby, which uh, uh, was a bit of a mixed blessing, to be fair. Um, but the the, the, the summer the Summerby name is such such a strong connection now with the club. With with Mike, you, you see him at every game. He always goes on the pitch. Does Remembrance Sunday, uh, and them as a triumvirate. I'm the thing I'm most pleased about is that 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 this is it's a a celebration. Uh, as well as a memorial of of them as individuals, but as a collective, um, and I think that's what that's the way people remember them. Uh, and certainly, as someone who has inher- inherited their um, their greatness through hearing stories and uh, some of the games where they they really turned on the style, uh, it, it feels the right thing to do. Um, I don't know where where are they putting the the statue, Nigel? Is it? It's on the on the west on the west side of the stadium. I understand. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's. I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, they've said on, yeah. on the on the west side because the the others are on the uh, the north side, aren't they? The other three at the the north end of the stadium, I think. Uh, they're on the. If east, I've got my, if got east side. Uh, the okay. I've got my. I've got my. I've got my. Uh, yeah. Yeah, my compass wrong. Uh, but, yeah, so it's it's, 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 it's the west. It, obviously, it's the it's the opposite side anyway. Yeah, but wherever they put it, um, it deserves to be there. Good stuff. Should we also just reflect? Also, I think on on a great loss of a great coach and uh, clearly not not a city player, but still an England manager and, and a great personality as well. And that's that's uh, the great late Terry Venables. Um, David, your, your reflections on him briefly before we move on to more city matters. I think we should um, at least uh, spend a few moments just reflecting on his life and the contribution he made, particularly to English football. Yeah, well, he had a very, I think, the, him as a character and a personality, together with his football intelligence, made him quite rare because he was brilliant, brilliant man manager. He was a great tactician, and the public loved him as well. So he had, you know, when you look back to what he did at Barcelona, um, I think there was a famous photo in the paper today of all the players holding him up when they won the league. I think it was a league or one of the big cups. And there was a little one of the players was Pep Guardiola looking up to him in, in great admiration for what he achieved. And... I suppose if the players of Barcelona at that time looked up to him and, and of course, all the English fans of what he did in the Euros and what he created there, um, he was brilliant and he was just a great character, wasn't he? And, you know, everyone loved him. So, um, and he was young, really. It's, it's such a shame. I didn't even know he was ill. So, very sad. Edward, your reflections on Terry Venables? 
Well, I remember Euro 96 uh, extremely vividly, not least the, the Gaza goal against Scotland. And re- remembering that before then, there'd been quite a lot of uh, issues with with trying to keep Gascoigne on the straight and narrow. <laughs> uh, and I, I think Venables, what part of his man management is he, he could deal with those sorts of characters in a way which I think others would have really struggled. And I think it was testament to the way he brought what was quite a disparate group of people together uh, in a team and created a real uh, sense of, of of purpose and togetherness and brought the nation behind him as well. He, he he managed to get a connection with with football fans, which uh, is even back then was with the media was such a, a key part of how you uh, kept the faith and brought people along with you. Um, I think he moved out to Italy or Spain. I can't remember where he was. He, he was living, and uh, I think he was around about eighty uh, mm. when he he died. Uh, so, but he, he always gave the impression that he was younger than he was. I think the way he conducted himself and. Uh, so yeah, he, he's he's one of the great England managers. Didn't quite happen for him in that uh, anguish-inducing semi-final, uh, but uh, he, he he certainly has left his mark on football in a very positive way. And Rob, we were talking a little bit earlier, and you were talking about him as a coach and what a fantastic coach he was. Yeah, magnificent. And he he and Malcolm Allison were big mates, and because they loved coaching and talking about football. I mean, if you think about it, he was probably one of the three most outstanding English managers of the post-war era. He was successful not only uh, in in England, but also uh, in Spain, as we've heard. Uh, and he was a lovely man who people wanted to play for. He played exciting football. We need more of those those kinds of people, not, not, not less of them. And uh, the current England manager could earn could learn a lot from him in terms of uh, commitment to attacking football. Well, our thoughts and love go to the family and friends of of, of the late Terry Venables. Uh, Let's look forward then to Leipzig. Um, They've also qualified, of course, and could finish above City uh, and could be get a seeded place in the draw, of course. Um, uh, City have qualified with with a game to spare. So it's not a foregone conclusion. Um, We've got another big league game coming up at the weekend as well. So interesting times. Uh, Who's going to kick us off? Rob, kick us off on this one. Your thoughts ahead of the Leipzig game on on Tuesday evening. Yeah, Uh, I'm okay with rotation, but I'm not okay with playing for a draw because every time City play for a draw, it ends badly. <laughs> they have to go out, they have to try and thrash them. They should uh, win the game, not draw it, and it should be an exciting evening. I want to see um, uh, some of the uh, people who are on the subs bench uh, play uh, tomorrow, particularly the boy who played for England so well. and Rico um, Lewis. Yeah, Rico Lewis, fabulous player. Uh, he deserves a game tomorrow night, um, and Alvarez as well. I might even rest Haaland uh, tomorrow in favour of uh, uh, the weekend. So I think it's a lot to look forward to, providing we're not complacent. And, you know, for heaven's sake, Nigel, £42 million, pounds, uh, surely Philip should have a game tomorrow. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Don't hold your breath. Uh, Rob, uh, he'll be on the bench. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, your your thoughts, David, ahead of the Leipzig game? So I'm quite looking forward to it. Um, 
Yeah, I do. Uh, I want us to play well. We always do. Uh, got to be top of the group. That's the most important thing. So there's a little bit to play for. Um, and um, I'd like some of the youngsters to have a game. So we do want a bit of rotation. Interesting with Holland, though, isn't it? Because he's the sort of person who wants to play and scores many goals. He wants to play. So does Pep hold him back or just does he give him a half or what? That'll be interesting. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sure some of the guys will get. I can't see Phillips playing, though. He just doesn't like him. Does yeah. That's <laughs> twice we've agreed tonight, David. I think yeah, we um, I think yeah, we'll agree anyway. One more yeah. time, it'd be, um, you know. <laughs> we'll have to get married or something. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, Edward, what, what does Pep need to do tomorrow then against life? What, do you, what are you expecting him to do then in terms of kind of team selection and and and, and how he's going to approach the match? Well, we know Stanger there is on the bench at the weekend. He's still not going to be playing. He's apparently still needs a, a, a few few games. Pep likes having completely fully fully fit and conditioned before he gets him onto the onto the pitch. Uh, remember when we played RB Leipzig? I know we won three one, but there was two late goals that got us over the line. So, you know, it's not a complete walkover this one at all. Mm. Uh, we've really got to be, uh, you know, really concentrate uh, and make sure that we, you know, don't have any of those lapses of concentration that we have seen, unfortunately, uh, a little bit too often recently. Uh, the likes of Lewis, I think, should play. Uh, I'd like to a bit more of Oscar Bob, actually. I think he's yeah. got huge amounts of potential. And so I think Kovacic is still injured, so... Not quite sure we're going to see him, whether Grealish is well enough to have a run out. So I expect some changes. Uh, I, I would be surprised if Haaland doesn't play because of all the reasons the, the others have, have said. He, he just um, he eats eats goals for breakfast, so why would he uh, why would he miss a meal? Uh, and Pep will want to keep his 100% record that he's got in, in the group, make sure we, we finish top of the group. So, and, and because of the, the game and the disappointment that, uh, at the weekend against against Liverpool, this is a chance to quite quickly get back on track, uh, get that to set some momentum going again, and also just put this uh, group stage to bed uh, so that we can really concentrate on on the league uh, between now uh, and the new year when we uh, very much hope that Stones and KDB will be back for the knockout stages. Let's just stick with you then, Edward, in terms of uh, the weekend and, and Spurs, of course, who have had a fantastic start to the season. They've sort of they've sort of struggled recently, but but in certainly overperforming. I think as far as uh, most of their fans are concerned, um, again back to full strength. What, what what would you like to? We obviously got no KDB. We've talked about that at length earlier on. What what difference are you looking for from Pep? What sort of lessons do you think he might have learnt from the uh, game at the weekend against Liverpool? What what what? What sort of different tactics? What different setup would you be hoping for? To to we need we need to win last two games, two draws, uh, you know, two points out of the last two league games is not you know another draw or or, or a loss here. This is kind of it's, it's it's disappointing form from City, which we 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 want to we want to win, don't we? Yeah, no, it's, it's we're now falling into the the must win tour, can't we? For this game, Spurs yeah. dropped to fifth, lost three in a row. Uh, yeah. Just show you, it doesn't take much in the way the league's shaping up this season for for teams to start to fall away fairly rapidly. But we know that Liverpool and Arsenal around us are still managing to pick up points, uh, even in games where they're not playing perhaps at the, their very best. So we're going to have to be on top of our game. Uh, I expect one or two changes, and maybe Gavardi might come in. 
Um, a, bit, a bit harsh on Ake. I thought had a very good game against Liverpool. I think there's a bit of a sort of what do you do with a Kanji at the moment? He's been trying to move into midfield where we know he's not as comfortable as Stones doing it. He's, he does a decent job, but maybe we're losing something in transition uh, and we could do with maybe speeding that up a little bit. Uh, Spurs do leak goals, um, so I would expect us to, to score, but they, they've also got uh, even without Harry Kane, a very potent attack. Uh, Son is one of my favourite players. I wish he'd played at City at some stage in his career. I think we probably missed the opportunity. Uh, but I would expect a complete full-strength team. Um, hopefully we can put, actually put out a decent bench for this game as well, because I think we missed that a little bit against Liverpool, being able to bring quite quite some big names off the bench uh, at the time that we need them, uh, if, uh, if goals are still required uh, in the last 15 minutes or so. But... Um, we, we've got to see off Spurs this time because after Arsenal, Liverpool, I know I know we saw off uh, Stratford, but we, you know we've got to start beating teams around us. Um, otherwise, that might come back to haunt us later in the season. It's not quite a must-win, is it, Rob? But it, it's almost after two draws. Yeah, I mean, don't panic uh, is I think the motto for the game, and you know. I don't. I try not to do it, but you read in the paper the criticism, constant criticism of Pep for how he behaves and what he does and uh, and what he selects. He behaved beautifully at the weekend. He dodged all the questions about VAR. He wouldn't uh, disclose what happened between him and Nunes, and he encouraged the crowd to get behind the team as if that was something that he shouldn't be doing. Well, actually, he should be doing that, and he's quite right to do it. And, you know, we have our role to play in winning this game by making the Etihad into a hostile uh, environment, which I don't think it was against Liverpool. Uh, So there's something to learn from that. David, finally, before we uh, pack up for another week, your, your thoughts ahead of the Spurs game. Well, we're fortunate we're better we're better at home than we are away against them, so that's one good thing. Um, yeah, certainly atmosphere-wise, those Saturday mornings are just dead rubbers, aren't they? They just don't create. We never create an atmosphere. We we just don't seem to be capable of creating atmosphere in the morning. But I think um, it'll be different. Hopefully, uh, Sunday afternoon's game. Uh, and you're right. I think we need an atmosphere. Last year was quite an unbelievable... Last year was a turning point for us, wasn't it? So let's hope it's a turning point again. Let's hope it is. A huge thanks to my three guests, to David Blakeney, to Edward Timpson and to Charlie Drake. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.